Well, good morning, everyone. Did you all read my fancy sermon title? I was very proud of it. I was very proud of it. I've been married for 35 days. That's not 35 years. That's 35 days. Um, so, oh, okay. <laughs> so, hopefully it's not a bad omen or something. No, I don't believe in omens. Um, 35 days. All I know about marriage thusly. Um, that's the title for the sermon this morning. Kevin thought it was hilarious to assign me the topic of marriage. Um, just so you know, he's laughing at the men's retreat right now as we speak. Um, he's preaching to our men this morning. Uh, I've heard so far they've had a great time on the retreat. Um, Kevin's preaching to him this morning about being a man of God. And so I hope for those of you that sent your husbands or your sons off, that um, it'll be a blessing to you when they come back. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here, not the senior pastor for anybody who's new. Um, I've been here a couple years now and just got married, like I said, 35 days ago. So, so you may say, Brandon, who are you, right? Who are you to give me any advice? You know, some of you are going on 50 years of marriage. Some of you are going on at least a year, right? Um, more than 35 days. And... Um, but the deal is, newlyweds are the best people to preach on this. You know why? Because everybody's giving us advice right now. That's why. <laughs> because everybody has two sins to chip in. I mean, we've heard more advice in the past, I don't know, six months than I've ever heard in my life. All of a sudden, everybody's like, hey, I got a piece, hey, I got a piece of advice. Hey, they're like pulling me aside in the hallways, waving me down on the street, you know, whatever needs to happen to get their piece of advice. And we've gotten some really good ones. Um, our favorite, this made us laugh, we were opening some cards on the way up to our honeymoon, and this was awesome. This is the by far, and it was handwritten in the card. I want This was original. I'm not going to tell you who said it. They'll take credit among the church. Don't worry, they will. Um, actually, I don't know if they're here today, but either way. Um, it's handwritten. There's this beautiful card about marriage and whatnot, and everything's in there. And handwritten on the side, it says, our best advice after, I think it was like 40 years of marriage was, or something, that second man give it away, but... It was a long time, said, said, don't fall out of like with each other at the same time, right? <laughs> at the same time. And we just started, I mean, as long as one, one person likes the other, you got a chance, right? If you fall out of like at the same time, then it, it's just, it's over. So um, that was by far the best advice that we got so far, me and Abby. Um, but basically, the point, of the, the point of the title is, what do I know about marriage thusly? Not much, not much. Uh, but the Bible has a ton to say about marriage, a ton to say to us about marriage. And don't judge me for saying it, because I am still idealistic, right? <laughs> we are still in the honeymoon phase. Life is great. Marriage is great. Everything right now is just great. Um, and so, but that's okay, because I want to present these things to you as great, because that's how the Bible presents them. And I realize that for some of you sitting here today, it doesn't feel that way. Um, marriage doesn't feel as great as what the Bible's going to call it. Um, life doesn't seem as wonderful as it should. And yet, and some, some of you are like, no, it's still great. That's good. That's encouraging, right? Um, but the point is to, to tell you all this morning what the Bible says and to be reminded, to be reminded of the joys of marriage and the blessings of it. And um, sometimes we do a lot of marriage counseling that is on the opposite side, where we're dealing with crises or where we're dealing with the hard things. And my goal this morning is not to deal with the hard things. I don't have any right yet, I don't think, to stand up here and try to deal with the hard issues of marriage. Um, but I can stand up here and tell you what the Word of God says about it. So if you guys would open your Bibles, we're going to start at Proverbs chapter 18. 
Uh, We're going to be all over this morning, which is unfair because I have all the verses in my notes and you guys get to flip around. So that'll be fun. But I would highly suggest for those of you, you you may not usually take notes, you may not usually write things or underline things in your Bible, but these verses are crucial for marriage, crucial for marriage. And I know there's going to be hard times that come. And so I would say, mark them, write them down so that not only can you be reminded of them today, but so that in the long run, you can look back at them. And as you're flipping through your Bible, you can see verses that are underlined or highlighted or marked that will show you the blessings of marriage. Okay? First, would you all bow your heads and pray with me? We're reading God's Word, so we want to ask Him to help us to understand. God, we love you so much. Um, I thank you. I thank you for blessing me with my wife. Um, God, 35 days so far has been awesome, and I know trials will come. God, I know there's some here who are going through deep trials in their marriages, and their families. But God, I want to ask that you would use this message to encourage us, God, to, to really just show us what a blessing it can be um, and how you view marriage, God, and the amazing things that it can do for your kingdom. God, this is your word. We ask that your spirit would apply it to our hearts. And God, that we wouldn't take anything lightly this morning, but, the, but that we could truly be encouraged, God. Thank you so much for your son, Christ, for the fact that he died on the cross. Lord, we love you. Ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Proverbs 18.22. Men, if you don't have this verse underlined in your Bible, you need to, right? Proverbs 18.22. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. (laughs) Plain and simple. Solomon says, if you found a wife, which some of you, some of you singles are going, I'm still working on that finding part, right? I was with you just a little while ago. I was with you, right? But he says, if you find what, if you find a wife, you found what is good. And all of that, you've received favor from the Lord. My first point this morning, very simple. Marriage is good. (laughs) Brilliant. I know, right? Marriage is good. And sometimes we forget it. Uh, Sometimes we don't get it. But the Bible clearly says marriage is good. Now, this is obviously coming from a newlywed, right? Um, But the reason why marriage seems so good to me right now is because it's God's cure for loneliness. (laughs) Right? Um, Some of you maybe don't remember what it is to be lonely. That part I have down, (laughs) right? Um, I remember very well 35 days ago and everything everything before it. It's God's cure for loneliness. In Genesis, you don't have to turn to all of these. We'll turn to a couple other ones, but... In Genesis 2.18, it says, The Lord God said, this is in the garden, It is not good for man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. God looks at his whole creation, right? And here are the animals going in pairs, and Adam's naming them, and he's probably... And eventually you get this sense where Adam goes, Hey, wait a second. Why don't I have a pair? What am I doing here all alone? You know, I see this like big rush of a rush. You know, all the animals are coming to him to be named and stuff. And then all the animals are gone and Adam's standing there alone going, wait a second. I get to work this garden all alone. I mean, not that he didn't love God, not that God's presence wasn't sufficient for him. But even God himself looked at it and said, this is not good. (laughs) It's not good that a man would be alone. And so God himself said, I will make him a helper suitable. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And then in Genesis, after God makes Eve, right? God tells Adam to go to sleep and takes a rib, forms Eve from the rib, wakes Adam up, says, hey, I got a surprise for you. (laughs) You know, 
um, brings Eve to him, conducts the first marriage ceremony, and Adam says, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Um, I will call her woman. And God says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. For those of you that thought you had it good in mom and dad's house, right? You know, they did everything for you. Everything was cooked. Everything was clean. He says, what could cause a man to leave his father and mother? A wife, <laughs> right? There's a godly motivation to get out of the house for some of you, okay? And it was back in the day before you got married. Um, and the Lord said, this is good. This is good. And then he looks on his creation and pronounces everything very good. The cure for loneliness. This is marriage is good. I know that when we say that, we don't always view that from our perspective. Sometimes from our perspective, we see the state of marriage in our country maybe. We see specific marriages that we look at and go, ah, it doesn't seem so good. Maybe you even look at your own marriage and go, it's not as good as it used to be. But the deal is from the Lord's perspective, from looking down on us from heaven, God says, it's good. It's good. And I hope that's a joyful reminder. I notice some of you, maybe it feels like a burden. But I want you to know the Lord wants it to be good. And it can be good. And it can be good. The Lord can restore those things. It is good. Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Again, you guys can either write these down or turn there. But Psalm 68, 6 says, God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoner with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. God says He places the lonely in families. That includes husband and wife. (laughs) He placed you in a family so that you didn't have to be lonely anymore. And we're supposed to be God's cure for loneliness for one another. Um, Another reason why marriage is good, and again, some of these I'm just going to fly at you, but Proverbs 12.4, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. Is her husband's crown. A wife who has, so for me to gain a wife who has noble character means the Lord has placed a crown on my head. That's beautiful, wonderful. Proverbs 19.14, Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Right? In other words, God says, this isn't something you can inherit. This is a blessing from the Lord. And for some of you men, I need to remind you that your wife is a blessing to you, not a burden, not someone who gets in the way but a blessing. And again, from a newlywed, you guys are like, sure, easy to say, right? Yeah, you just wait. You come back and preach this sermon a year from now or whatever. Maybe I will, you know, maybe I will and go, I will have the same title, things I've learned about marriage thusly, just updated annually, you know what I mean? Um, But wife is a blessing. Wife is a blessing from the Lord. Um, From the Lord's perspective, marriage is good. Marriage is good. Um, I had a funny newlywed story just happened last night. Right, so I don't do anything on cars. I just don't. I just I shouldn't really. But last night I had I had a headlight out. Right. I don't know why I'm telling you this story. This is gonna be rather embarrassing. But um, I have a headlight out, and so I go to AutoZone thinking I'm gonna be big and work on my own car. Right. Got some tools for as a wedding gift. I got some stuff now, and so I know some of you are looking at me going, Brandon, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Right. So working on a headlight. And so the first thing I do, I'm taking this bolt off of this plastic piece. And the very first step, what do you think happens? No, it doesn't break. Even worse, I think. I'm taking it out, and then it's all the way out, and then guess where it goes? Straight down there somewhere. 
right? And I just drop it and I go, oh, this is a great start. So I'm thinking in my head, okay, I'll take care of that later, whatever. I, th- I couldn't see it, whatever. I looked for like 10 minutes, couldn't see it. Take it out. So finally, I get all these plastic pieces off to get to the headlight. I do it, change the headlight real fast. And then, this is classic. I'm feeling like Kevin Schlecht at this point. I don't know if you guys know Kevin Schlecht. But I'm feeling like, right, because the new headlight is in. And I'm going, this is awesome. This is very awesome. Got the new headlight in. All i got to do is find this dumb bolt, okay? I still can't find the bolt, but I'm going to start putting things together, okay? And then I'm putting things back together. What do you think happens then? No, not backwards. Backwards would have been an improvement. I just forget a step altogether, right? And so I get the whole thing put back together. At this point, Abby's done with whatever she was doing. She's in the garage watching me, which is great. Um, and then I get it all together. And we needed to run to the church real fast. And I get it all together. And we're about ready to go. And I go, and then I look on the table where I was putting stuff. And there's just a part sitting there. And I go, oh, this is bad. This is bad. And at this point, my wife's being all sweet, right? She's like, oh, it's okay, whatever. We'll just take my car. You can get to this later because we needed to get over here. It was getting late. <laughs> oh, we go to look for her keys. They're nowhere to be found. I mean, nowhere. We have dumped her purse out onto the carpet looking for the keys. They're nowhere, right? And so now we can't find her keys. My car has a part missing, right? And all of a sudden, things are starting to get a little tense right i'm starting to get a little tense and we're just going i go okay you look for your keys i'm gonna go fix this part whoever wins first that's the car we're taking all right i'm being the man i'm making decisions at this point okay and it was just a sign to us of um it's so we so finally she found her keys i had the part fixed we ended up taking my car it didn't blow up on the way the headlight worked everything was fine but we're here on the way to the church and we say you know sometimes Sometimes marriage is really great. And other times, it just means you have double the problems, right? Um, It just means you have double the problems. But the deal is, just to have someone to go through that with was a blessing. And so the first point was marriage is good. The second point is that marriage is companionship. Marriage is companionship, okay? From our perspective as humans, it's always that. Good or bad, you know, uh, beautiful or ugly, Whatever it is, marriage is companionship. It comes with twice the joys. It comes with twice the problems sometimes, right? Like when my car's broken because I didn't fix it right and she can't find her keys. I shouldn't be doing mechanics. She really has problems losing things, right? And we just had twice, twice the difficulties. Marriage is companionship. Um, it's a covenant of companionship. Why don't you open to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 2. I don't know if that's the right reference. I'll look it up with you. Because I think it's supposed to be Proverbs. Oh yeah, no, that's good. Proverbs 2.17. Proverbs 2.17. And I want to pick out two key words from here. Two key words from this verse. It's talking about an adulteress in verse 16. Uh, it says that, it will, that wisdom will save you from an adulterous woman, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. And in verse 17 it says this key thing. This is Proverbs 2.17. Who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. So in that verse, you have two descriptions that God uses of marriage. He says she, she has left, if she's going to be an adulteress, she has left the partner, right? Partner or companion, other translations would put it, of her youth, and has forgotten or ignored the covenant that she made before her God. 
right? And so from those two things, also in Malachi, you don't have to turn there, but it uses the same terms, Malachi 2.14. You ask why? It is because the Lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth. So this time it's the husband who's being an adulterer. And it says, because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner and the wife of your marriage covenant. Though she is your partner and the wife of your marriage covenant. So, God describes marriage as a covenant of companionship. Covenant of companionship. That when you take vows, like I did 35 days ago, however long it was ago, however long ago it was for you, um, you made a covenant to be companions. Is really a good way to think of it. Um, that through the good and the bad, right? Most of us said those in our vows, you know, in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, richer for poorer, all those things. It's a covenant of companionship. I had a great illustration of this. I don't know if you guys remember the first time that your spouse was sick when you were married. That's a new experience, right? So here I am lying in bed. My wife has a cold and she's not sleeping, which means what? I'm not sleeping, right? She's coughing and, I, and just hacking up a lung all night. And I'm sitting there going, this is companionship, huh? Right? <laughs> There's nothing to do about it. I don't know. Maybe as I get bolder, I'll just go move on the couch or something. But um, it was companionship, and it was this vivid picture to me of we're 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 stuck together. <laughs> but it's a blessing. But it's a blessing. And some of you go, no, it's not always a blessing. And I'm going to tell you, yeah, yes, yes, it is a blessing. <laughs> it is a blessing. Why? Because it's friendship. It's friendship. We all remember. I mean, I work with middle schoolers and high schoolers. And how insecure they can be about friendships. And man, what do these people think of me? And what do those people think of me? And, and am, I, am I okay with this person? Or does anybody like me? Or, and there's all this stuff that can run through their heads. And yet, once you're married, you're like, I got, I got my best friend right here. I have my best friend right here. She's stuck with me. She made a covenant to stick with me. There's times where I made a covenant to stick with her. Right, don't fall out of like with each other at the same time, okay? That's good advice. Um, but it's good. It's good to have a companion in life. It's God's, it's security for us. And some of you, maybe you don't remember the blessing of knowing that somebody, that you can be secure in somebody's love. Right? Maybe that's gone in your marriage. Maybe it's something you should renew and say, man, we've covenanted to be companions. Not to be two people living separate lives in the same house, but to be companions. And um, friendship. I'm in this class, marriage and family counseling. 35 days I've been married. The professor finds it very funny that I'm in a class called marriage and family counseling at seminary. But it's been awesome so far. And one thing he says is he goes through the Proverbs and he takes all the verses that apply to friendship and applies them to marriage, which is a great exercise to go through the Proverbs because the Proverbs have, it has a ton to say about marriage. But if you add on what it says about friendship, it's awesome. And some some of the funnier ones he said... It says, um, there's some really funny Proverbs. I don't know if you guys know that. If you haven't read the book of Proverbs lately, it's a hoot sometimes. It says, he who, wakes his, he who wakes his brother with a loud voice in the morning will be thought what? A curse, right? He who wakes his brother with a loud voice in the morning will be thought a curse. And so he's saying, what does that mean for marriage? It means be sensitive. There's another one that says, if you sing at somebody, if you go to someone and you're singing... While they're feeling heavy-hearted, they're going to hate you. Right? I mean, the Proverbs are just blunt, you know? 
Um, if you wake someone with a loud voice in the morning, they're going to not be that encouraged by it. If you sing at them when they're feeling heavy hearted, they're not going to be that encouraged by it. In fact, it says they will resent you for it. And what he was saying is he's saying, be sensitive to each other. Is it is that you should you should be sensitive within friendships. You should be sensitive and go, oh, my my wife's feeling a little heavy hearted right now. Maybe now is not the time to brag about the Cowboys winning or something like that. Right? Maybe now it's not the time to be, you know, going around the house singing <laughs> because she's feeling heavy hearted. Um, I'm supposed to be a companion with her in that. Not not be insensitive and say, get over it, babe. Yeah, that'll go over real well, right, guys? <laughs> Some of them are looking at me, don't ever say that. Don't. I did it once. It was bad, <laughs> right? There's supposed to be a friendship, a sensitivity to one another. Um, and just to explain that, with a covenant of companionship, is to ask, is your wife, for you guys, is your wife still your best friend? Is she still your girlfriend? Do you still treat her like she's your girlfriend? Do you treat her as if she's your lover? Right? Oh, that's important. It's important. And you guys are looking at me going, you're so idealistic, Brandon. It's going to be great to see you walk through this year. Right? I know, right? <laughs> it's going to be awesome. There's new learning opportunities ahead. I know that's like the final frontier. You know, moving right into it. Um, in Deuteronomy 24, this is a sweet verse. I'm going to be saying this a lot this year. You don't have to turn there. But Deuteronomy 24, 5, if a man has recently married, <laughs> this is great, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid upon him. You know, I'll just think about this, okay? I know, it's great, right? <laughs> this is so good. For one year, he must be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he has married. <laughs> this is a great verse for me, right? I'm not saying I'm quitting or I'm not going to be in the office for a year. I don't know. No, just kidding. But the idea being, why was he supposed to stay home? It says so that he might bring happiness to his wife. Guys, part of our covenant is compa- covenant of companionship is to bring happiness to our wives. Like we like to go to Ephesians, right, where they're supposed to be submissive and subservient or whatever you, whatever words you want to use. Deuteronomy does not let you off the hook. He's supposed to bring happiness to his wife. Some of you ladies are writing that down. <laughs> John, what was that again? Deuteronomy twenty four five. It's in the law. Luckily, we're not under the law anymore, but it still applies. The principles do. Okay. Uh, my twin brother, my twin brother, when I was um, getting married, he was one of my groomsmen, and we were sitting there praying before we got married. Before I got married, and my brother prayed this prayer, and you may have heard it before, but I'd never heard it before. And he said, "He said, God, may their griefs be halved and their joys be doubled. Right? May their griefs be halved and may their joys be doubled." That's what my twin brother prayed for me. Um, that's a that's a covenant of companionship. May your griefs be halved and your joys be doubled. Um, I want to just make a note here for those of you who've lost a spouse. Um, I have no idea. Right? I just have no idea. Um, a lot of us sitting here have no idea what that could ever be like. Um, but I want to say that we pray for you. I want to say that the Bible says that God will take care of you. Um, I want to say that the Bible says that he, God loves you and that he can make up for what lacks. Um, and so I want to remind you that. I know this is probably, if you're, if you're sitting here and you're a widow or a widower, if, even if you've lost a child thinking about the family, whatever it is, I know it's probably not, not easy to sit. You know, it's like great for a newlywed, right? And here I am all excited, and it might not be exciting for you. 
And so I just want to tell you that I, I thought about that as I was preparing. And then it, God says, right before that verse where he says he sets the lonely in families, right before that verse in Psalm 68, 5, he says, He is a father to the fatherless and a defender of the widows is God in his holy dwelling. Right? And so don't forget that God's still on your team. Um, you still have a companion, and he's actually better than your spouse. <laughs> you know, um, And that's true of all of us, right, is that God makes up the lack and all this. We need grace to like flow like mad, you know, grace to flow like mad because God's got to make up because we're humans. We're sinful humans. And yet we made this covenant with one another as if it was a good idea, (laughs) you know, Um, and it is, and it is, but it's not easy, not easy. So sorry to be a little serious there for a while, but um, I just wanted to remind you all that too. And as a church, we need to reach out to, to widows and widowers, those who've lost a child. Okay, so first, marriage is good. That's from God's perspective always, right? From our perspective, sometimes it's just a covenant, (laughs) you know? Sometimes it's a great covenant, sometimes it's a covenant, you know? And we're going to keep our end of the bargain. As Christians, divorce is not an option. Third, what about for the world looking in? What about for the world looking into a Christian marriage? What should it be? I put here, marriage is a picture. Marriage is a picture. Write that down. Marriage is a picture because it's supposed to be. Um, this might be the supposed to be part of the sermon, but marriage is supposed to be a picture to an onlooking world. In, in Genesis 1:27, it says, "So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them." First thing, it's a picture of God's image. The fact that males and females can come together and be united is a picture of the Trinity. It's a picture of God. It's a picture of Jesus submitting to his father, even though they're equal. It's a picture of God being three in one. All of this, it's unity and diversity. It's everything that God is, is mixed up in this whole male and female being one business. Because he made us in his image. And if he had just made man, we wouldn't have been as much in his image as if he made woman. And if he just made woman, we wouldn't be as much in his image as if he had just made man. And so we need to... We need to remember that we are a picture of the image of God to people. Um, Also, if you guys want to open up to Ephesians chapter 5, a key passage in marriage, obviously, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25. Um, Marriage is a picture. So from the world's perspective, they may not understand the covenant thing, why we would be so committed to each other. They may look on marriage as horrible, like just whether they saw their own parents' marriage as horrible or they know marriages around them that, that are horrible, that are treating each other badly, they may look on it from a one-to-one perspective as horrible, but when they look into the church, they should see it as a picture. They should see it as a beautiful picture of God's image and also of Christ's love. In Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. Obviously, the passage goes on to talk about women submitting to their husbands, and that that also is a picture 
of as the church submits to Christ, so women would submit to their husbands. And it, it's a picture to the world of Christ's love. Now, now this is why you, some of you are like, oh, you're, now you're going to preach at me about being loving. No, no, no. This is a great opportunity for the church. Why is it awesome for the church that we've had newlyweds come in lately? Why is it awesome for the church to have couples that have been married for 50, 60 years? Why is it a blessing to us here? Why? Because the world can look in and see Christ's love. Why even as you're going through marital struggles, is it a blessing for us to see people work through that and to come to a better place? Because the world will look at it and go, Christ did that for His church. Christ gave Himself up. He laid His life down. And I know there, and I, I know I'm in the honeymoon phase, right? But I know there's going to be times where marriage will feel like that, where it'll be like laying my life down. Kevin's always really funny because he goes, Brandon, um, when I got a wife, you know, when I was single, I ruled everything, <laughs> right? He's big German, you know. I ruled everything. When I got a wife, I saw myself notch down a notch. And he said, then we had one kid, <laughs> then we had another, and then we had, you know. And he's all, now all of a sudden, there's six slot or five slots above me filled and i'm not i don't get to be the center of things anymore and if you think about christ that way though he was god in the flesh he made himself the very last notch and said i'm going to take i'll take the punishment for the world so that they might be saved so as we notch ourselves down in our families men as i went from one to two 35 days ago um it's good because the world can look at it and go that's a picture except christ did way more from one to two he did from like he was there was nobody else even on the list with him to putting himself below all of us serving us and so the the world gets to look in the inside and it confuses the heck out of them right i have friends who aren't married who don't know the lord and they, they're utterly confused as to why I would be happy right now. Like it just doesn't make any sense to them. And yet Christ joyfully went to the cross, and so it's an opportunity to say, I'll tell you I'm happy. Because God gave me a woman to love, and she's awesome. And when I sacrifice for her, I'm doing what God wants me to do, and I'm doing something that Christ did for me. Beautiful. That's not the only illustration, the only picture. Um, how many of you guys can remember when you first saw your wife on your wedding day? This would be a good time to raise your hand if you're married. Just thought I'd, <laughs> just thought I'd give you, maybe as a newlywed, I can give you a little hint there, right? This would be a good time to raise your hand if you're married. <laughs> All right? Maybe my memory is better because I'm younger or something, but I don't know if I'll ever forget that. I don't know if I'll ever forget the first time that I saw my wife on our wedding day. Um, beautiful, radiant glorious even um in revelation 19 verse 7 you don't have to turn there but marriage is also a picture of that of how christ look think about this in revelation 9 7 let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready fine linen bright and clean was given to her to wear the fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. 
that when Christ views us in righteousness, it's like that picture of seeing seeing my bride for the first time. That's beautiful. It's beautiful that the Lord would look at us that way. That the Lord would say that when He joins with us, it's going to be like a wedding feast. I don't know if you guys went to the Schlecht wedding, but they had a feast, right? They had a feast, tri-tip mainly. Bless my heart, right? I just if there's tri-tip involved, I'm there, right? I'm there. Um, it was a blessing, and it, and it, this is what Christ says it will be like when we meet together with Him. Celebration that He's going to view us as a bride, cleaned up, pure, ready. He says there's a picture of that, that same kind of beauty that I see in my wife, Christ sees in his church, and the world should see in us. It should be radiant, pure, shining, beautiful. Last but not least, it's also a picture in 1 Peter 2, 1, 2, 11. It says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I gained a partner in that. Like I was trying to do that as a single man. 1 Corinthians 7, you can read that, says it's kind of hard to do as a single man because of the immorality and the temptations that are in the world. But now I have a wife who will help me and who together we can live a life where the world can look at it, see our good deeds, and glorify God who's in heaven. It's a beautiful picture. So, so far... Marriage is good. Some of you are, I'm gaining you on that one, right? I'm going to keep saying it until we believe it, right? From the Lord's perspective, always good. From our perspective, covenant of companionship. It's a covenant of companionship that I've covenanted with someone to be best friends for a lifetime. Um, From the world's perspective, it should be a picture of Christ's love. It should be a picture of the radiance of the church. It should be a picture of us glorifying God. Last but not least, marriage is a joyful blessing for the church. Right? Mary, from the church's perspective, as we look on each other's marriages, as you guys look on us newlyweds, I'm hoping it's a joyful blessing. Some of you are like, no, it's actually really just depressing. <laughs> Hopefully not, right? Hopefully not. Some of you are looking at me, don't be so smug, right? Don't be so happy. Um, you can't do anything about it, sorry. Um, it's a joyful blessing. Um, one of the high schoolers, some high schoolers, they just kind of don't know how to you know, say things with finesse. Right, so I'm not saying that, but maybe I shouldn't name him after I said that. Yeah, I will name him. Right, so Travis Carr. I don't know if you guys know Travis Carr, but he's a great guy. But he just says things. Right, some of you know him. Are like, yeah, I know. Um, so he's sitting in my office talking with me, and he just goes, Brandon, I don't know how to say this, but you've just loosened up. I'm kind of sitting there going, man, how should I take that right now? Travis, why did that come out of your mouth? Like, what do you, what do you mean? But that's the idea, is that marriage is a joyful blessing for the church. Our marriages should help us loosen up. Our marriages should help us to stay joyful. Our marriages should help us encourage one another within the body, family to family. Um, The first and primary way that, that the church is blessed by marriages is in a stable place for children. It's in a stable place for children. Um, when we have strong marriages, it's a stable place for children to be raised in the Lord. Look down, uh, if you're still in the book of Proverbs, uh, actually turn to Psalm 78. Turn to Psalm 78. I'll read the one in Proverbs while you guys are turning to Psalm 78. So marriage is good. 
Marriage is a covenant of companionship. Marriage is a picture, and last, marriage is a joyful blessing. Psalm 78, but let me read first. Proverbs 14:26 says, He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for his children it will be a refuge. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress for himself, and for his children it will be a refuge. Same thing in Psalm 78, verse 4. Psalm 78, verse 4. We will not hide them from their children. This is talking about the good deeds of the Lord. We will tell the next generation of the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. His power, the wonders He has established. He, he decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which He commanded our forefathers to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Verse 7, Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. Right? There's this idea that marriage should be a blessing to the church in that it gives us a stable place to raise children. It gives us stability to pass those things down. It gives a platform of godly lives that can say, hey, this is what the Lord's done for us. Some of you have come and you've been so encouraging. Some of you, before I got married, were hecklers. You were hecklers. You're going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you got, you know, 20 more days of freedom, right? Or whatever. That's okay. That's all in good fun, right? But, <laughs> but it wasn't that encouraging, just so you know. Um, so when, when you're nervous and you're getting married and people come up and they heckle you, it's a little nerve-wracking. But then there were others of you, and specifically one person, and I'm not going to name her, but um, she came up and she said, she said, marriage... She said, Brandon, when the Lord puts you with the right person, marriage is as easy as drinking a glass of water. And I don't know if her and her husband were just doing particularly well or what, but it was super encouraging just for her to be like, oh, it's great. Like just to have somebody come up before you get married and say, it's great. It's great. Easy. Not, I mean, she didn't mean like easy peasy, never have any problems, but she just said, it's great. It's great. The Lord has made it natural to work. Um, that's how God wants it to be to the church, is a blessing, um, is something where we strengthen one another, where the children in our church are strong because the marriages are strong, where children can come from families that aren't even that strong and the strength of the marriages here will help them. Right? Some of you have kids that are tagalongs. If you don't have any tagalongs, you should get some tagalongs. Right? Where their own marriage, where their own family is not strong, but your platform is strong enough to help even them. And where they can tag along with you. And you can say, hey, come on, come on with us. We'll tell you about the Lord. We'll tell you what he's done for us. It's beautiful. Beautiful. So it's supposed to be a loving place to raise children in the church. Also, it's just a grace to the church. And this is just a quick verse because we're almost done here. But in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, listen to this, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. That's, that's, that's a blessing. That God says, I have somebody with me who's a, who's a partner in life of the gracious gift of life. Both, both saying, I think it's saying life, uh, it's hard to tell in the passage, but it, I think it's saying life here. 
that there's a gift of life that God gives us here as we're together, as we're raising, as we're raising a family, as we're being church together, that is a gracious gift of life and that we'll even share that into eternity. Beautiful, beautiful. Last but not least, this is the most obvious, maybe not, maybe, uh, this might be the most obvious point, I'm not sure. Strong marriages are good for the church. Strong marriages are good for the church. Um, in Pro- and this, I'm just going to do a bunch of verses because I'm out of time, but Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house. The foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Um, would you rather have the house built or a house torn down? Some of you are like, well, if you could tear mine down and build me a new one, it'd be great, right? But in, in general, it's better to have the house built than the house torn down. Some of you have husbands who tear the house down and they never rebuild it, right? You have projects going the whole time. Uh, we're in the middle of a remodel. We have been for 15 years. No, um, it says the same, Colossians 3.18 says that fathers should encourage their children, raise them in the Lord, love their wives as Christ loved the church. Children should obey their parents because it's pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians 6, fathers 6.4, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Deuteronomy 7 in the great Shema says, Impress these things upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up all the time. All the time. Strong marriages are good for the church because that's happening. Because that's happening. Um, in Titus 2, it talks about older women who are godly teaching younger women to be godly and older men who are godly teaching younger men to be godly. Right? And that's in the context of strong marriages. Um, that those strong marriages up at the top, the older ages, you know, or in the 25-year-plus club or whatever, um, should be helping the younger marriages. You know, Like I said, stuff's great now. We're 35 days in here, you know. I imagine there'll be times when we'll look to some of you who have more years than that and go, we could use a little help here. <laughs> we could use this to touch a help. I hope you all are encouraged today. I know maybe some, for some of you it's like, oh, these things aren't going so great, and I wish that they were. I just want to tell you, this is God's perspective on marriage. I haven't learned much about it yet, um, but God has a lot to say. If nothing else, hopefully going through these verses, you can go back through them together with your spouse and say, hey, what does God want from us as a couple? Would you all pray with me when we be done? <clears throat> God, we love you so much. I thank you so much for the blessing of my own marriage. 35 days strong and going. Um, God, I thank you for the marriages in this church. God, I know they're at all different places. Some have been married for a long, long time who are still companions. I pray that they would still love, that they would reach out, that they would still treat each other well. And God, that they would help strengthen the church and the marriages below them. Lord, I want to pray as well for those that are struggling in their marriage. God, that you would, your grace would step in. God, that if they need counsel, they would seek counsel. If they need to just renew their companionship, God, that they would you'd give them the strength to do that, to start being friends again, to start um, sacrificing for one another again. And God, I want to thank you so much that when you saw man alone, you said, I'll make him a partner. I'll make him a partner, Lord, for it is truly good. Remind us of these things, God. I pray it could be encouraging challenging, convicting, but not overwhelming. Uh, And God, if there's people that need help, that they would reach out to those who can help um, to work on things.
Lord, we love you so much. Thank you so much for this time. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming this morning. And